This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Got to wake you guys up a little bit after lunch, right? Dave, thank you so much for that uh, introduction. I appreciate it so much. But if you don't mind, there's a couple things that I need to mention. Is that okay? That bio highlights all of the things you would want everybody to hear. I believe my opportunity to be with each and every single one of you is a direct result of the fact that I have been shaken to the core in my life personally, and I've been shaken to the core in my life professionally. So there's a little disclaimer I want to get out of the way before we really get rolling, and that disclaimer is I am an emotional guy. So I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to give you my heart. I cry when I watch Extreme Home Makeovers. (laughs) So I'm going to give it to you real, and I'm going to cut it straight because that's how I've lived my life. And oftentimes people will say, I'm a motivational speaker, inspirational speaker. At the end of the day, I'm a coach. I'm a coach, I'm a lover of people, and our opportunity together, this opportunity to be with Visionary, all of the sponsors, each and every single one of you making the choice. I just wanna give a big congratulations to the entire Visionary family and the team. How about a round of applause for them for doing this? Because as a a lover of life, a relationship type guy, I think the world needs more people to love on people. And to do this in the community is absolutely incredible. And I heard about the vision of it over a year ago. And to now see all of you, over 400 of you here, to spend this time together, the unbelievable morning, the unbelievable afternoon that's planned, I think it is such an incredible opportunity. I'm appreciative of the chance to be with you in my backyard. You know, I have the opportunity to speak all over the world, but not that often do I get to do this in St. Louis. So to be with individuals in the city that I love that has done so much for me, where there were mentors and coaches and individuals who helped pick me up off the mat of life on the days that I didn't want to do it. Where I faced challenge and I faced adversity and I understood what it means to be part of a team. I learned what it means to have people love on you and for people to care about you through your toughest times. And I wanted to start with a story that I don't get to share very often. And it's unique, the lineup that Brett and his team chose. And it's unique how you had the the first speaker of the day be Dr. Jason Selk. Because Dr. Jason Selk is a man who has had a tremendous influence on my life. I want to take you all back to 2010. 2010. I was still a financial advisor. So I started speaking in 2006. It was the first time I was ever brought in professionally to speak. So in 2010, I was speaking and writing and doing coaching work, but I was still a financial advisor for a Fortune 100 financial firm. And at the beginning of this year, I had set these really, really big goals. You ever set really, really big goals for yourself and you get excited and then you you start to get ahead of where you need to be for those goals, right? So then I remember a phone call that I had with my wife and I told my wife, Amy, I said, it's about six months into the year. And I said, babe, 
I'm on fire, everything is going awesome right now. Little side note, don't ever do that, okay? <laughs> just stay humble and hungry and just keep working, okay? So I start to get ahead of myself about how excited I was about what was going on in the business. And the next thing you knew professionally, I was in for the most ultimate storm that I ever thought I would experience. Earlier, Dr. Selk, and one of the things I remember in our coaching work, I remember being in his office, I remember the influence he's had on me and what I would think about and the visions that I would have. I remember him saying what he said to all of you, which is, you are going to face circumstances that will be out of your control. You will face challenge and adversity that will be out of your control, but the manner in which you choose to respond to that adversity and challenge, that determines the story that you write. So just like he said that to all of you, he's just letting you know you can think big and we can talk about mental toughness. But once you walk out those doors, adversity and challenge will strike. And how you face it, that determines the story. So here he's teaching me all these concepts. I'm already speaking on these concepts. I'm telling my wife how great things are. And here comes the storm. Our daughter was born, perfectly healthy, beautiful little girl, Kennedy Rose. But you're not sleeping. And then I have this period of time on the financial services side of the business where it felt like I was in a prize fight with Muhammad Ali 24 hours a day. You talk about circumstances being out of your control, client can't pay their bills, there's health situations, there's, without getting into specifics, I actually had a phone call with my accountant and my accountant says, Ben, you need to call me, I don't understand what's going on with your paychecks. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, I think you're the first client I've ever had who's paying way more money to the company that they work for than them actually receiving. Can you explain to me what's going on? You're paying all this money back? It was so hard to just put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. You ever been there? You ever been there in that period of time where life just starts to hit you and you feel like you can't move forward and you feel like you can't breathe sometimes and you wake up in the morning and you say, I just don't want to do it. Now, wait a second. If you paid attention to the story, right? I was first hired to speak in 2006, so wait a second. Aren't I supposed to be firing people up and speaking and doing all this? It happens to everybody. To think that we're going to face life with no challenge and no adversity, personally and professionally, we're kidding ourselves. But we have to make sure we have the right people there for us and we're prepared mentally. And I don't know what it was about this specific period of time. It got so big and the storm felt so strong that in typical moments where I was able to handle this type of pressure or stress, I was buckling. I remember sitting at a St. Louis bread company. Now let me call a little bit of an audible. I do a lot of work in, in collegiate and professional football. So I'm going to call an audible, which means we're going to just come over here and we're going to say something else, okay? I love the fact I'm in St. Louis because I can say St. Louis bread company and you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Everywhere else I go, I slip, I say St. Louis Bread Company, and they're just like, what? And I say, oh, Panera Bread, Panera Bread, sorry. So St. Louis Bread Company. So I'm in this parking lot of this St. Louis Bread Company, and I'm on the phone with Dr. Selk. And this was not one of the scheduled calls we were supposed to have. This was the call where I'm leaving him a voicemail saying, Jason, I need you to call me immediately. I'm done. I want to quit. I don't want any part of this anymore. I can't handle this. Now, let me preface this. Not to impress you in any way, shape, or form, but to impress upon the point. The three previous years of where I sat at this point in time, I was in the top 2% of all financial advisors in the world for production. Three years in a row. And I was having my best year ever. And then all these things started to happen. And I just wanted to quit. I wanted no part of it. And this was the emergency phone call that I would give to Dr. Selk. And I'd say, Dr. Selk, I need you to call me immediately. I need you to call me immediately. He picks up the phone, calls me back. I'm sitting in the parking lot of the bread company, and he says, Ben, stop 
focusing on the things you can't control. And what if you and I right now have a conversation around the things that you can control? Oftentimes when we're facing challenge and adversity, it becomes so tough, we forget how to make the decisions. We forget about the daily disciplines and habits that have already made you successful in what it is that you do. We get pulled off track. I was so off track, I didn't want to move. And I said, Jason, I just want to quit. I don't want to have that conversation. And he got tough and he got stern and it's exactly what I needed. He said, we are going to have this conversation. Now you guys heard him speak this morning. He's pretty stern and right to the point, right? Kyle, you've had those calls with him. He said, Ben, how many times are you dialing the phone every day? How many times are you picking up the phone? So for those of you that are in sales, right? You have to have a voice in the marketplace, which means you actually have to pick up the phone, send an email. You got to do something, right? People need to know I'm open for business. How many times are you dialing the phone? And my response to him, right? Ego was getting involved even when I was in this period of time where I wanted to quit and it felt like nothing would go my way. I said, Jason, why do I need to count my dials? Really? As if I'm like brand new in the business again? I'm not doing that. And he says, really? Really? And he goes, because the most successful financial advisors I've seen, they pay attention to their daily disciplines and their habits. Now, here's the interesting thing. I was coaching people on these conversations, yet I was pulling back myself. He says, how many are you going to commit to on a daily basis? I, I said, Jason, I'm not having this conversation. I said, I don't need to track my dials. And you, you could feel this big smile on the other end of the phone. He goes, that's working really well for you right now, isn't it? <laughs> and, and I have a tendency sometimes to, to react emotionally. Ah, bang, right? I almost wanted to jab him back. And instead, I listened. I listened. And there was a series of other questions. And everything he asked me, he was getting me to recommit back to what I already knew I needed to do on a daily basis. He helped me understand in that moment, Ben, you don't ever have to be perfect. Let's just get a little bit better every single day and get back to the daily disciplines and habits that made you successful. And I think for each and every single one of you, maybe you're in that moment right now where things are just taken off. This year's off to a great start. So if you learn anything from this initial story, just don't go tell anybody. Just stay humble and hungry and keep working. If you're in that period of time where you feel like you can't breathe and you can't move forward, we've all been there. We all face challenge and adversity. But what happens if you're in that moment right now and you take a pause and you take a step back? I was so thankful for Jason that day to get me to just slow down and to calm down and to breathe and to focus and to look and to say, okay, if I actually dial the phone 20 times, that is 100% in my control and I can get back on track. That phone call changed my professional future. That phone call I was part of as I shared that, that top 2% 2 for three years in a row. And because of the challenges of that year that went on for six months, and I'm paying all this money back to the company, thank God I had my speaking career, it would have been tough to pay the bills. And then I fell short of the goal, and my natural tendency was focus on the prize, focus on the goal, focus on the recognition, and he helped me recognize that didn't matter. What matters was just go be your best. Stay connected to your purpose that drives you, just like each and every single one of you. When you feel like you don't want to move forward, what would happen if you reconnected to your purpose and then you reconnected to the daily action that's already caused you to have success? In the I did 20 every single day for seven years. I did 20, Jason, thank you, seven years. I left financial services about four years ago, which means that in my career today, our team focuses on the same thing, the, the habits that you can control. So I kept it with me. It changed my professional future and landscape. Now, this is, this is no round of applause needed. Sometimes people clap. Please don't, don't do that. I got back to that top 2%. So I fell short. 
He kept me focused on what I can control. I got back to the top 2%. Now here's the lesson I want to teach you, because the lesson wasn't just the work. The lesson was what happened as a result of the work and then what he really taught me, which is what it looks like to win and lose in life. What it really looks like, what winning really means. We were in the final month. So three years in a row, I hit it, I fall short. I now need this really big month. And I had this one final sale, this one final sale that was gonna get me back to that top two. And I'll never forget, I called Jason. And I said, Jason, I got the sale today. I got the sale. I said, we're gonna submit this piece of business. I made it back to the top 2%. And he was quiet. I could actually hear his tears. And then with a little crack of his voice, which you don't hear often, he said, you've already won. I don't care about that final sale. You recommitted back to the process. You've already won. Don't define yourself by what the company gives you in the form of a ribbon or recognition. You've already won. I, was, I, I couldn't speak. I was crying so hard. I walked on stage today, and Dave, you mentioned in the bio that the blessing of having the opportunity to work with the North Dakota State Bison. I've had a chance to win a few of these championship rings. And I wear this ring before I start speaking. I'm going to put it away here in a second, because sometimes I want to capture in the moment. And I'm going to ask some questions of all of you today. And when I ask these questions, please don't do this and don't do this. I don't want to call anybody out, but I want to catch you with what you're thinking about. I want to catch you where you are and almost have this feel like it's a one-on-one -on -one coaching opportunity for you and I. So please don't do this and don't do this if I ask direct questions. But a lot of times you see a ring like this and what people see is they see the bling. They see the diamonds. They see that it is completely oversized and obnoxious. Let me share. Yes, it is. Let me share with you what I see. And Jason, we had that talk eight years ago, but what's happened is in my coaching work, you see there's those individuals who help you in that moment when you need it. But what was interesting was that coaching opportunity, that call at that St. Louis Bread Company had nothing to do with being a financial advisor. It was about life. Because now it's the lesson that I learned from that phone call where we got emotional that's helped me understand how to communicate with teams and how to communicate with individuals. Because when I see this ring, I don't think of a national championship. I look at this ring and I see Carson Wentz's eyes. This is my fourth season with the North Dakota State Bison. I was with Carson his entire senior year. I've had the opportunity to leave Carson Wentz, now quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now he's going on to become a Super Bowl champion, five-time national champion. I see Carson Wentz's eyes because the manner in which Carson Wentz leads his life makes me a better man. How he walks in his faith, the action that he takes, it's the relationships. I see the punter, Ben LeCompte. I see Ben LeCompte's eyes. I see Ben LeCompte's eyes because he invited my wife and my children to his wedding. I see a young man by the name of Pierre G. Tucker who called me and asked, asked me, years removed from financial services, if I could get him an internship in financial services. He was our starting middle linebacker. Career in football was over. It was time to transition. Could I get him an intern? He's from East St. Louis, Illinois. I was able to get him an intern. I see the relationship. So the first question I have, remember, don't do this and don't do this. What are you focused on every day? Are you focused on the purpose? Are you focused on that, that white hot reason, what, what really motivates you to push? Or are you focused on the dollars? For all the young individuals in high school that are in the room, what are you focused? Because it's so easy these days to get caught up in the right things, but when you understand purpose at a very young age, that purpose will drive you and it'll help you overtake your pain. This is my fourth season working with North Dakota State, couple of championships. And as a result of that conversation with Jason that day, if you were to ask any of the football players I've had the opportunity to work with, or any of the players that have won Super Bowl championships or UFC championships, I never talk about wins and losses because of what you taught me. Jason also taught me that you can have mentors that you've never met. 
You know, he didn't talk about it because he's so humble, but he got to spend a lot of time with John Wooden. And one of the things that I've learned is great mentors, they don't hold back, they share everything. And he taught me about John Wooden and said, read these books about John Wooden. And what do you think of John Wooden's philosophies? And what do you think of John Wooden's mindset? John Wooden never spoke of wins and losses, so I never talk about wins and losses anymore. I don't talk about recognition. So I thank you for the influence that you've had because that day I needed you and you were there. So who are you surrounding yourself with? Because one thing I've learned about life is you don't have to go at it alone. To have great teams around you, to have people who love you and care about you, that's really the difference. It's not the money, it's not the rings, it's not the record, it's the relationships and the love. On January 6th, we just won another national championship. We're on a stage just like this one. If you can picture we're down in Frisco, Texas, live on ESPN, the confetti's coming down. I never get on the stage with the players because that's not for me. I stand behind the stage. And the players come down, and I look the players dead square in the eyes, and I say, I love you. And they say, I love you back. That's all that needs to be said. Because to me, that's what it's about when I see those rings. So the first question I have is, what do you focus on? The interesting thing about the conversation with Jason, as I mentioned, I was already coaching. I was already performing. How did this happen? It's natural sometimes, the way that we're wired, for us to be shaken and to not shift to perspective that helps us find the inner strength to keep moving on the days that we don't want to do it. Because real success, it's the relationships, it's the love, and it's the willingness to get back up one more time than you've been knocked down. So I wanted to find a, another St. Louis story. I wanted to find some St. Louis stories today because I don't get to speak in St. Louis very often, and I love this city so much. It's where I was born and raised. So I wanted to find a St. Louis story, and this St. Louis story is about a teacher, a teacher named Janet. Now Janet had two young boys. Janet was divorced when, she was, when her youngest son was six months old. And Janet was a teacher. Now, I don't know about you, but Janet was one of those teachers. Maybe you used to have one like this in school. Janet would walk into a classroom. She had this long brown hair, big brown eyes, big pearly white smile, and energy that went for days. Her students absolutely loved her. Her children adored her. And Janet, this teacher, this mother of these two boys, was diagnosed with a rare muscle disease called amyloidosis. For those of you that don't know what amyloidosis is, each and every single one of you in your muscles, you have amyloids. If you have an excess of amyloids in your muscles, you would have a disease called amyloidosis. At the time of Janet's diagnosis, there are only two hospitals in the United States treating the disease. Janet was receiving treatment at Barnes Jewish Hospital. They gave her directives to either go to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota or the Boston Medical Center. For some reason, Janet's team of doctors here in St. Louis chooses for her to go to Boston. She goes to Boston and she meets with a woman by the name of Dr. Martha Skinner. And Dr. Skinner walks into this old rickety conference room at the amyloidosis department and sits down in an old rickety chair across from Janet and looks Janet in those big, beautiful brown eyes. And she says, Janet, you're only the second woman I've ever seen or heard of under 40 years old having amyloidosis, you have two to four years to live. How would you respond? How you choose to respond to challenge and adversity determines the story you write. She was driven by her purpose to continue to lead her two boys. She pulled out an old blue mead notebook, maybe like you used to have in school, maybe yours was another color. And she opens up that notebook and she takes out a pen and that notebook became a place where she unleashed her positive mental attitude onto the world. She would write, beat the statistics, beat the odds, live with a disease that is chronic and fatal, believe in yourself, combat anything, purpose in life. When you are clear on your purpose, your purpose will overtake your pain. Amyloids continued to eat away at Janet's muscles. Your heart, of course, is a muscle. As the amyloids would wear the body down, Janet would go back and forth from St. Louis to Boston, St. Louis to Boston. In 1986, 24-hour nursing care comes into her home. 
goes all the way to the back of the house. There was a little TV room, and then behind the TV room, there was a bedroom, and all of the belongings of the TV room were removed, and it was turned into a 24-hour nursing center in the home. Purpose overtakes pain. Janet would stand outside of this long hallway, IV stand in tow every night, and whether it took one nurse or two nurses, Janet would look down this long hallway, leading those two boys, and she would put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. There will be moments when you walk out of those doors, when you think big and you have a big vision and you face pain and challenge and adversity, but you have big goals, where sometimes all you need to do is just put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And Janet would make her way to the head of that dining room table every single night, and she would pan over to the right at her oldest son, Drew, and say, Drew, how was your day at school? And then she would pan over to the left, and my mother would look me dead square in the eyes and say, honey, how was your day at school? You notice I got the honey because I was the younger son? I got to get you to laugh a little bit because I know this isn't easy on the ears and I know this is probably not what you expected. My mother taught me what it means to fight. My mother taught me what it means to have conviction. My mother taught me what it means to have passion. My mother taught me what it means to live one day at a time. My mother taught me the greatest life lesson I've ever learned from anybody and that lesson is it's not how long you live, it's how you choose to live your life. Jason mentioned it earlier, life can be brutal, but it's the choices with the things you can control that make the difference. My mother was a tremendous example for me of love and passion and what it means to live. On November 2nd, 1986, my mother took the pen that she was writing with in her journal and she passed it on to my brother and I to continue to write the story of her life, the story of her legacy. My fire, my passion on a daily basis is to connect you on a deeper level to your purpose and your legacy and what drives you. Because I recognize that I am not the only individual in this room that has a story. Each and every single one of you, you have a story of pain and challenge that you've been through. And somebody has passed you the pen. Or you are currently carrying that pen as others watch the decisions and choices you make as you impact and you write your story. What will people... Now today is a very special moment for me that I want to share and I'm going to do my best to keep it together. But I can't not share all of this with you because I'm a transparent, open guy. First time I was ever paid to speak, 2006. On November 2nd, 1986, I was picked up by my father at a bowling alley. And my father takes me to the house of a woman that he was dating. And he takes my brother and I back to her bedroom. And he looked at us and he had explained what happened on that day. And then he looked at us and he said, we will be a team. Life is never easy. There's ups and downs, there's pain. But you taught me what that word meant. My dad is here today. It's the first time I've been speaking for 13 years he's ever heard me speak publicly. My father right there. <laughs> he's emotional like me, so I've got to say something to break this up for the two of us. I've been too hard on you at times. I know that. And you've been too hard on me. You know that. But love always brings you back where you're supposed to be. And you taught me what teamwork was all about. And, and you look back at life, and sometimes we, we try to hold on so tight to the money, the recognition, the wins, the losses. And then you have these reminders, like my mom. Now, even with the way I saw my mother live her life, I still had to have that conversation in 2010 with Jason. Right? It's, it's, it's incredible to think about. That was my perspective. How could I ever think anything was tougher than a little boy seeing their mom come to the dinner table with an IV stand, but I still struggle with it. It's why I've had a coach since I was 25 years old. I always had coaches in sports, so I figured I better have them in business. I'm an emotional dude, I need this help. So I've had that from my mom, I've had it from guys like Jason, 
learn what a team really means from my dad. And it's not easy, but it's exactly the way that it's supposed to be. And I know so many of you on your life, you can look back and you can say, well, this happened and that happened and this wasn't right in that relationship and this wasn't right in that relationship, but I promise you it's happened exactly the way that it was supposed to and it's given you all the strength that you need to achieve anything you want to in your life. So what do you focus on when you have that challenge and adversity in your life? Now, we have to have an actionable takeaway because this is one thing I also learned from Jason, right? We, we can't just get up and share stories. There, there have to be actionable takeaways. So I want to take you through something that really ties together everything I've shared thus far. It answers some common questions that individuals ask of me all the time, and then we'll finish with another St. Louis story. So if you look up at this board, I, I did a, the best possible job that I can considering I have terrible handwriting. I did the very best that I could. I think this is actually pretty good for me. So for those of you in the back of the room that can't see this, this says standard over feelings. And then there's a four corner chart here and on the left this says belief, it says potential, it says action, and then it says result. Now people commonly ask me, because I have been shaken to the core personally. I have been shaken to the core professionally, as I've shared with you already thus far today. And those periods of time in 2010, those periods of time personally, you don't want to get up off the mat of life. But you got the blessing of there who's somebody who's got their hand ready to pull you up. Or it's been the individual that I've had the opportunity to work with or to share the stage with. You know, Dave, one of them that you mentioned, it was one of the most mind-blowing comments I've ever had. I shared the stage with Jerry Rice. Many people know who Jerry Rice is, arguably the greatest football player to ever play the game of football. Now they say with what Tom Brady has done that he's probably number one. When you share the stage with Jerry Rice, you always say that Jerry's still number one, right? So Jerry's the greatest to ever play the game. And I'll never forget before Jerry and I take the stage, Jerry looks at me and he says, you know what, Ben, you know what I've never understood? How could somebody not give 100% when it's 100% their choice? And I thought, wow. Sometimes we're looking for this answer that is so complex. Give me the magic pill. Ben, we can work together. You can be my coach, but you got to give me that magic pill, right? Give me the real magic secret. The magic secret is typically the work. The magic secret is in that statement from Jerry. The magic secret, and I'm going to actually, I'm going to give you guys the secret of the highest performers. I will give you the secret of the highest performers. And, and all of this is in alignment with everything Jason said as well. Standard over feelings means... Don't allow your feelings to dictate how you show up. Pay attention to the process or what is the standard? What are the daily choices? If Jerry Rice says, how could you not give 100% if it's 100% your choice? What are the choices in your field, in your line of work, that if you choose to make those choices 100% of the time, that becomes the standard of the process that will cause you to have success? Now, this doesn't mean we don't have vision, we don't want to do big things, we don't want to have big goals. Have big goals, but once you set the goal, pull that goal down, put it right in front of your face, and stay focused on the standard. Far too often what I see, and I'm going to be direct because I care that much. I'm going to be direct because I care that much. Far too often I see people allow their feelings to dictate how they show up. Now, what does that mean? That means that Brett, running Visionary Wealth Advisors, the unbelievable work and impact they're having in the community. A young advisor can walk into Brett's office and say, hey, Brett, did you see what I sold yesterday? You see what I sold? I don't have to work today because of what I sold yesterday. Or, hey, Brett, I can't even get you to laugh at that because some of you realize I'm catching you right where you are, huh? Or some people say, hey, Brett, I've got five opportunities tomorrow. There's five opportunities for me to close. Bit. Why would I need to dial the phone today if I'm going to do some big things tomorrow, Brett? And we get caught up in the feelings of the situation rather than recognizing a guy like a Jerry Rice. And I like to just go to the examples of the greatest ever do it. Because if you go to the greatest of the example, how did they do it? 
Right, and I remember Jerry saying, I didn't care if I had 169 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday. I was breaking down game film on Monday. I was hitting the weight room, and I was doing what I could to be the best I could be on Monday. And when I got done with Monday, I'd worry about Tuesday. Question for you, remember, tiny little rule. Please don't do this and don't do this. What do you focus on when you achieve success? What do you focus on when you have those little successes along your journey? Are you ready to show up the next day? Now, what's the other side of it? The other side, don't allow your feelings to dictate. Brett, yesterday was so tough on me. I heard so many no's on the phone, I just can't handle it. In those moments, accept the love and the mentorship that you can have with the individuals that are there to coach you and to help you. Don't try to do it by yourself. I already told you, I messed that up. Use that as an example. Yesterday was so tough, so I'm not going to work today. I think tomorrow might be challenging. I'm worried about the landscape of the future. I'm worried I'm in banking. I'm worried about where interest rates are going. I'm Stay focused here, here, here. Quicken Loans. I've had the opportunity to do work with Quicken Loans at all their major sites. They're now the largest mortgage company in the world. Quicken Loans, they just, it doesn't matter what happens to rates. Let me just focus on what I can do today. There's a standard or a process. If I were to have a conversation one-on-one -on -one with each and every single one of you and we were to sit down and you would tell me your dreams, you'd tell me your story, you'd tell me your vision, I'd ask you some questions like this. Tell me about your best days in your business, but tell me what the work looked like, not big sales. And what I would want to uncover is what did the days look like where when you got to the end of the day, you had the ability to look yourself in the mirror and say, today I gave it my very best based upon my effort. And the more we stack winning, with days of our best effort, one on top of another, win the day, attack the process, one over, and you can look in the mirror at the end of the day and say, today I gave it my very best. Nobody can ever take that away from you, and you can never ask any more of yourself than that. But we have to have a willingness to pull back and to identify what is the standard or the process that causes the success. I'll read stories or I'll hear stories sometimes of somebody who's struggling with belief. Tim, if somebody walks into your office, and they're struggling, there's a lack of belief right now. How likely is somebody who's struggling with belief to come into your office and say, I'm struggling with my belief, but today I'm gonna to tap into a little extra potential. I'm gonna give it a little extra. How likely is that to happen? Pretty low. My belief is low, I'm not tapping into my potential. What does that individual's action look like on a daily basis? Very weak action. So Tim's answer, it's weak action. It's below where it needs to be to be successful. What is there? expectation of results. Extremely low in some cases, is it the other way? It can go either way. Hey, when am I gonna get the good lead? When is the, when is the world gonna stop doing this to me? Rather than us looking in the mirror and saying, I can believe more. If I believe more, I'll tap into more of my potential. When I tap into my potential, I take action. When I take action, I get results. Or sometimes the results are so low, another correct answer, that then those results feed the belief. You see, I knew I was right, this wasn't for me. What are the highest performers? The highest performers show up every single day and they live to the standard. They don't allow the feelings to dictate how they show up. The highest performers, they believe in themselves. And as a result of that belief, they wake up and they have purpose. And it's clarity of purpose. I'm clear on what I want. What did Dave Peacock say? He said, I have a mission statement that I read every single day. So those are those, those things you think, what's the one thing you're going to take away? Maybe it's clarity of purpose. This isn't coming from me. Clarity of purpose or mission. Remember Jason said earlier, right? what are you going to focus on? What's the one thing you're going to take away? 
So the more we believe in ourselves, the more we tap into our potential. When we tap into our potential, we take action. But it's the action or the process, the standard, that has already caused you to be successful in the past. What did Jason do that day with me in 2010? He said, forget about the results, forget about the storm. What's the process? What's the standard? What's the action that's going to cause you to get back at it again? It was the 20. The action fuels the results. You guys want to know the secret of the highest performers in the world now? Draw a line right here, a black line. Now my bad handwriting because I didn't get to do this earlier. This says the seduction of success. When the highest performers, a Jerry Rice, has that 169-yard two-touchdown day, wins a Super Bowl, Jerry Rice has this relentless obsession. You heard Jason talk about it, a relentless obsession. I want to believe in myself again. I want to tap into more potential. I want to go take more action. And I don't define myself by the results. I define myself by my ability to win the day one day at a time. I define myself by the ability to attack the process, to stay focused on the things that I can control. Typically, if we're underperforming or we're not performing at our highest level, it's when we achieve periods of success, we get seduced by the success, we stop doing the work because it's a reflection of allowing our feelings to dictate how we show up. If you look back on your year and there were periods of time where you weren't doing what you needed to do, said another way, you maybe physically were showing up to the office, but you actually weren't present in your work. The next level of most individual success is a math problem. If you actually pay attention to what the action is supposed to be, and you perform that action day over day over day over day, and it's what you can control and you honor that, you will get the results when you silence the seduction of success. This is what success looks like. And I know this, this might not be exciting in terms of this big answer that you wanted, but it's just the way that it is. The highest performers. This is what success looks like. All my young high school kids, you're out there, can you see that? And then you gotta remember, once you're doing the work and you start to get the results, we just keep going. And if you wanna leave a legacy, you have to be willing to do the work. It takes hard work. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It takes hard work. Grit, monotonous behavior with perseverance. A willingness to do it on the days that you don't wanna do it. The recognition and understanding that we have to silence our desire to do nothing when we achieve success and just stay focused on the work. All I would want for each and every single one of you is to stack days on top of each other where you look in that mirror and you say, today I gave it my very best. That to me is success. Coupled with getting up one more time than you've been knocked down. Coupled with surrounding yourself with a great team. And coupled with recognizing you just don't have to do it alone. Now, as a result of the fact that I would love to go even deeper and deeper and deeper on these concepts and 50 minutes goes way too fast for me and I've got one more story to tell, I'm going to give everybody a gift. Now, typically I would give this gift at the end of my speaking, okay? Christmas in my house, here's how it typically goes. I get the gifts like two weeks early and then I want to give them to the kids early and my wife like tries to steal them to hide them, but because my wife isn't here, I get to give gifts whenever I want to, okay? So I'm giving the gifts early today. I was going to do it at the end of the talk. I'm going to do it right now. There are six principles that we have devised in our coaching work. Now, 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 Shannon, don't come rushing the stage. I got other friends that are SEALs, and I am so grateful and thankful for each and every single one of you and the sacrifice that you make for us to even have the opportunity to be in this beautiful ballroom at the Ritz and to even think and to have the opportunity to achieve. God bless you for that. But I wrote a book called Your Mental Toughness Playbook. Now, it's hard to say that in front of a SEAL because those are the real tough people. But everybody can get a free copy of that book if you go to freeplaybook.net. 
freeplaybook.net, and I'm actually fine if Brett or uh, it sends out one mass email if one person downloads it and it goes out to everybody. Sure, I'd love to stay connected and we connect by getting emails that way, but I'm not even concerned about that. I want to give everybody a gift. And that has the six proven mental training tools that we use in our work with the Carson Wentz's of the world to successful financial advisors of the world, people winning championships, and people giving their best every single day. It's all of the tools and the strategies to build the environment to live one day at a time by winning one day at a time based upon your effort. It's your mental toughness playbook, freeplaybook.net. I want to share a final story because I know we were emotional in the beginning. I gave you my heart. I showed my passion. And then I started to challenge you a little bit, to challenge you about where you are and what you think about and how you currently approach success. And maybe some of you, and I'm gonna go here because I promised I would be direct because I care that much, maybe some of you have lived far too often in the seduction of success. And maybe some of you have focused too much on results or too much on money. So I know I've been hard on you, but because I've been hard on you because I care that much, I'll share a story of the fact that I challenge myself all the time too. And I'm gonna take you back to a period of time where I made a choice to run a marathon. Now, I wanted to finish with this story because it's another St. Louis-based story about another individual who helped me understand that we don't have to do it by ourselves. And it's another unbelievable St. Louis story about a woman named Terry Grieg. Terry Grieg is a Ironman, cancer-surviving triathlete. She's unbelievable. She has cancer all through her body. She's completed Ironman. She was selected as the NBC's inspirational participant to run an Ironman. I heard Terry Grieg speak years ago. And when Terry Grieg got finished speaking, this was shortly after I had run a half marathon. Now let me share with you in full disclosure, I used to be one of those individuals who said, I hate running. How could somebody ever run a half marathon? How could somebody run a marathon? I hate running. I don't even understand how people do something like that. And I ran this half marathon and I got done with the half marathon and there was blood coming out of the back of my shoes and it was one of those moments you say, I'll never do anything like that again. And then you hear a woman like Terry Grieg speak. And she's speaking about her experience of taking a really big goal and breaking it down and being an Ironman triathlete with cancer through her body. And I remember hearing her speak and she gets done and I I go up to her and I say, Terry, I say, you are a gift to the world. You are amazing. I said, can you and I chat for a few minutes? And we go off into the lobby of this hotel where she was speaking and we sit and we have this conversation and I looked at her and I said, I got to tell you, I ran this half marathon and I hate running. I don't even know how I did it. And I heard what you did. And this is so inspiring. I think I'm going to run a full marathon, the Go St. Louis full marathon. And Terry looks at me. This is real leadership. Those of you that are leaders, got a secret for you. You're all leaders. You don't need a title to be a leader. We all lead others in our lives, whether it's our children, our loved ones, significant others, friends. We all have an opportunity to lead. And to me, this is the most powerful way to lead. I say to Terry, Terry. I think I'm going to run a marathon because of you. And she says, you can do this. I believe in you. Those four words will fuel somebody's heart and their passion to do something they never thought they could do. She said, I believe in you. And she says, this is how you're going to train. This is what you're going to eat. This is when you're going to do this. And she helped me build out this schedule. And she helped me realize all you have to do if you want this really big goal of finishing the marathon is live to that standard, the process, one day at a time. So I did everything Terry told me to do. It's April of 2014. I'll never forget it. It's race day. Anybody ever seen the Go St. Louis Marathon? You go to, there's thousands of people. So I'm driving to downtown St. Louis. Here I am ready to do something that at one point in time I said I could never do something like that. I've been inspired by Terry and I get a text message from Terry. And the text message says, what time are you going to finish? Now, based upon my training, 
I knew I was starting at 7. Based upon my training and how I'd done, I'd finish at 11.15 or 11.30. I respond back to Terry, I'll finish at 11.15 or 11.30. Terry responds back to me, you'll finish way sooner than that. I thought, oh, Terry is that final boost of energy I needed, right? And then Terry responds back to me and she says, I'll be waiting at the finish line for you. I'm running a half marathon for fun today. <laughs> and I've never met your family. So I'll be waiting at the finish line because I want to meet your family and I want to see you finish. Now I really had all the juice I needed, right? So here we are. Go St. Louis Marathon. If you've ever seen this, it's, it's like the perfect track built for a St. Louis-born kid. You're staring right at the St. Louis Arch. You're on Market Street, thousands of people, and boom, that gun goes off. Just like for all of you, there's going to be a big dream or a big vision. At some point in time, you prepare that day, come bang, that gun goes off. And you're going to take off running. So I take off running. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. You look at the St. Louis Arch, and then you make a right-hand turn. You make a right-hand turn, and then you pass. Bush Stadium, home of the 11-time world champion St. Louis Cardinals. So I'm passing that. The heart's going, the heart's going, the heart's going. The next thing I see, you're heading down Broadway, is the Budweiser sign. I wish Peacock were still here. What do you smell the closer you get to the Budweiser Brewery? Beer and hops, my wife's an executive at AB for 20 years. In our house, we call that money. So I start smelling all that money. And the next thing you know, I turn, and I'm heading back down Broadway, and I see the mile four sign. Now, I want to share with you, the mile four sign was my first big piece of challenge and adversity on this race. You may walk out of here today thinking differently. You may think there's something I want to achieve. You may embrace, if I want this big goal and I just focus on a standard rather than my feelings, that might be the difference. But I'll promise you something, and it's hard to make this kind of a promise, but it's true in life. You will face challenge and adversity. And once again, how you face that challenge and adversity determines the story you write. I see that mile four sign. The reason why that mile four sign was my first piece of adversity was because one year earlier when I ran the half marathon, at that exact mile four sign, I got passed by a woman pushing a baby stroller. <laughs> and I remember saying to myself at that point in time, I don't care who passes me today. I don't care if a woman passes me with a baby stroller. I don't care if that man with the shirt, he's 90 years old. I've run a marathon in all 50 states. I don't care if he passes me. I'm going to stay in my lane. It's so easy in life, isn't it? You set out to do something where you say, I just want to be the best I can be. And then we start to pay attention. Stay in your lane. All I wanted to do that day was follow through with what Terry said, which was what she believed in me that I could finish the race. It wasn't who I'd be. So all I focused on was one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, until I got to my next big piece of adversity, the 18-mile marker. The 18-mile marker passed Center Street off of Del Mar. I live off of Center Street off of Del Mar. Can you imagine you're about to enter the final six miles, which people who have run marathons will tell you that's the most physically excruciating experience of your life. So I'm ready to take that on, and you pass the street that you live on. I'm thinking, I'm going to hang a left-hand turn right here. And I'm going to text Terry and say, you can come meet the family at the house. I'll be on the porch. But instead, that day, I looked down at my left arm. And oftentimes, when we walk out those doors after an opportunity like this, and Jason Selk makes the recommendation, focus on one thing. How is that one thing going to become part of your environment? Because you have to keep it in front of you. It has to be part of your environment for it to be sustainable and for it to stick and for it to become part of how you think and how you make your decisions. So that day, part of my environment was I had my mother's initials in Sharpie on my arm. 
I had my wife's initials in Sharpie. I had my son's initials in Sharpie. I had my daughter's initials in Sharpie. And then I thought about the fact that four months earlier, I was at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas, speaking to 780 wounded warriors from the United States Army. And I thought about the fact that there are men and women who are tucked away in nooks and crannies in this country right now, fighting for us to have our freedom. I can put one foot in front of the other. And there isn't a day that goes by, Shannon, and to any other individual in this room that has served, or those of you that support families and friends and loved ones that are serving right now, that I don't think about the sacrifice of those troops. Because we wouldn't be here, and I cannot wait to hear you speak. And I thought about those troops. And I thought about my mom coming down to that dinner table, putting one foot in front of the other. I thought about Terry Greig getting that lay over her head when she was the inspirational participant in Kona, Hawaii. And I said in that moment, one foot in front of the other. You are going to reach that moment if you think big enough and you make yourself uncomfortable enough and you challenge yourself enough, you will reach that moment where you question, can I actually put one foot in front of the other? And I encourage you in that moment to stay connected to your purpose, to remember the standard and the training and the work you put in to know and to believe I can put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot. This was actual speed at this point in time in the race. One foot in front of the other, one foot in front. Of the, I get to a mile and a half to go. Remember, it's the perfect track for a St. Louis-born kid. I passed it all. We run through Forest Park. You run by your house, Bush Stadium, Budweiser, and you're looking back at the St. Louis Arch. Off into the distance, who do you think I see running at me? I'm standing. I got a mile and a half to go, and I'm wondering, how in the world am I going to get from here to there? And off into the distance, I see Terry Grieg running at me. Did everybody figure out it's well past 1130 at this point in time? <laughs> Terry, with this cute little smile of hers, she comes up, and she gets right next to me, and she looks up, and she says, buddy, where does it hurt? I said, Terry, it hurts everywhere. <laughs> and she said just what she said in the lobby of that hotel room. You can do this. I believe in you. Let's put one foot in front of the other. And we looked, and we put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And with about 45 seconds to go in the race, Terry looks back up at me, and she says, buddy, go finish your race. And she peeled off into the crowd. One of the most selfless acts I've ever seen. Terry's been on the Ellen Show. She's been on the Today Show. She's been the inspirational participant for NBC in Kona, Hawaii. She's a celebrity at these events. It would have been the perfect front page of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Terry Grieg helps this poor guy make it across the finish line. <laughs> and instead, Terry Grieg ran off into that crowd so that my wife could send my children to me so I could hold both of them as I crossed the finish line to do something that at one point in time I said I could never do. Live to your purpose every single day. Go find your Terry. Be a Terry for somebody else. Identify the standard of the process. Go win one day at a time. Make sure you understand what it means to have a team. Get up one more time than you've been knocked down. And don't you ever stop fighting. Go do great things. Thank you so much. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 